Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. It's so great to have you here, and I'm thrilled that you are part of my growing community because The Love Code is all about inspiring you to the profound healing presence that you are and being able to tap into a place of love, to be able to transform yourself, to transform whatever challenges you may have in your life, and to know that we are always connected to the source of love. I think more than ever, this is the message we need to really embrace at this time and to expand and share with others in our lives. So that's what we're doing here today. This is all about opening ourselves to the power to heal and transform. If you're listening for the first time, I definitely want to welcome you. Hope you'll be coming back every week. If you'd like to get the archive shows, you can always go to my website, which is drcherylselman.com, and uh, you can go to my Facebook page, which is also Cheryl Selman. So hopefully you'll be liking me there and opting into my website, learning more and continuing on this healing journey. And let's talk about the topic for today. The conversation that I am having is with Susan Francis Morris. We're talking about healing childhood trauma and how it's a key to healing chronic illness. And I just want to share a little bit about Susan. Susan Francis Morris is the author of The Sensitive One, a memoir, and was raised in Springfield, Massachusetts. She holds a bachelor's degree in nursing, and the highlight of her career has been the time she spent at Yale New Haven Hospital in New Haven, Connecticut, working in nursing management. At age 50, Susan was diagnosed with breast cancer and was determined to get a deep understanding of the underlying causes. She surprised herself to discover through research showing that the long-term exposure to stress and traumatic childhood experiences can both increase the risk of cancer and also can increase the incidence of cancer. So we're going to be exploring this, this relationship between healing childhood trauma and creating chronic illnesses in our life. And it's a topic that is of particular interest to me because in my work as a psychotherapist and then as a naturopathic doctor, I have experienced the uh, profound relationship between unresolved emotional wounds and how they manifest in our lives in a physical way. So it's my great pleasure to welcome Susan Francis Morris to the show today. Hello, Susan. So good to have you. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, You're so welcome, and I so look forward to our conversation because obviously you had to, first of all, deal with the shock. Any time anyone gets a diagnosis of a chronic condition, especially cancer, it's always a shock to the system because it's it's unexpected, right? It's not like you've had any warning signs that something was going on. And then it's the whole journey that ensues from that time on. So tell us about your journey, Susan. What 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 was it that was going on in your life before the diagnosis and what happened to you once you received it? So let's see. When when I started my I started my book, my book starts when I um turned fifty and I um 
was diagnosed suddenly with breast cancer. So at the time, I was um, I was married. I was things were going along pretty well. I had gone through a you know some some therapy in my thirties related to some childhood things and kind of thought I you know kind of put that that stuff aside. But what happened suddenly at age fifty, I got diagnosed with cancer. Didn't feel anything. Just went for my normal mammogram, and there and there it was. And so. When I was told those words, I just, um, you know, kind of was went into shock. And then I found myself um, beginning, you know, the process of the, uh, the treatments for cancer. I found myself starting to rock myself back to sleep, uh, back and forth to sleep at night, like I used to did. I, I did as a child. And for some reason, which I couldn't, um, you know, figure out at the time, is that. I started having nightmares of um, my childhood and things that had happened to me. And and I found, it, you know, um, the fear that I had as a child came roaring up to the, to the surface during that time, and I just didn't know why. I just, you know. Um, and so, you know, struggling through the therapy and, and all of that, um, nightmares seemed to, you know, not stop. They continued, and I just wanted to get through that. And it wasn't until about an, a year or so after the treatment was over, when it was still going on, that I decided to, you know, seek some seek some therapy and try to figure out why did I feel like so fragile. I was, you know, I was a pretty good. I was at a point in my life that I was in a pretty good emotional state. I thought, and you know, things were going well. I had a, my, my two grown children. Um, and then I had, uh, another child who was like 13 and then turned 16. And so, you know, life was going on pretty well, but I was an emotional wreck and my body, I realized through, you know, we could fast forward, but talk to you about the books I read, like, um, the body keeps the score. And I realized that my body had kept track of everything that I had gone through. I was like a little girl again, you know, trying to hide. I felt that some days I woke up, all I wanted to do was hide in my closet. I didn't want to come out. And um, so it was then that I realized that maybe I thought I I healed a little emotionally in my 30s when I went through it. But I think we all know, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, that healing is really, it has to be an emotional, mental, and physical and so that's when I started my journey um, to um, healing, you know, the rest of all of this. And I don't know if you ever heal from childhood trauma. You just, you, you, know, you know how to deal with it. You know how to, the triggers, there's always seemed to be some trigger um, in life that would, would come back to you. And that's what I attributed to this shocking trauma in my life of being diagnosed with breast cancer, breast cancer, sorry, Brought all the, you know, all the. Let me just let me just jump in. Let me just jump in. What what were those nightmares that you were having? Well, I was having nightmares of. um, I was afraid. I was very afraid. So I grew up, and my father was an alcoholic, and he would wake us up in the middle of the night, uh, sometimes for no reason, just make us look for things in the middle of the night, and I started having uh, started having dreams of that. Sometimes I'd wake up in the morning not realizing that I was who I was. I felt like a child again. 
um, and just certain thoughts I just couldn't get out of my head. It was more of the feeling of fear. It just would not go away. And I didn't know, did not know why. I mean, you know, I was felt like I was going uh, crazy. Why am I feeling like this? And, you know, um, I didn't talk a lot so to, to, to people. Well, I was, I'm sorry. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. I didn't want to interrupt. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I didn't talk a lot about what was going on during the time, but I did start journaling um, my inner fears of, you know, why, why I started asking myself questions. Why am I feeling like this? You know, I know I have breast cancer, but I can get through that. But um, it, it's like all of the thoughts of my childhood just kept coming coming back. I mean, just scenes playing, playing in my head, you know, of... Um, um, my father coming home on a Wednesday night drunk and I'd be shaking. I would remember that. And, and, um, um, for me, it was almost like my body. I I believe a lot in how your body tells you things. And it was like, my body was telling me something that I couldn't figure out at the time. Does that make sense? (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so for the formative years of your life, you were, in the environment of uh, of an alcoholic father, and then all the dysfunction that happens in a family system when that occurs in the family. Correct, right. And there's also, you know, I don't um, know if you've heard of the term adverse childhood experiences. I um, mm-hmm. I started mm-hmm. um, doing some research on that because I came across that word and. You realize that it was much more than just the alcoholism in my family. You know, I had a had a sister that was had a mental illness, and um, you know, there was um, my parents ended up getting divorced, and it was just my childhood was not. It was nice up until about ten to age ten, I can remember, but after that, um, it was just a constant. I felt like I was constantly on like you know on um, on edge waiting for the other shoe to drop um, I think that childhood um experience of de- determined your profession well i think it had a lot to do with it um my mother was a nurse um and Caring for people, looking for you know, um, under I, understanding. I think I always I had this inner compassion for trying to make people feel better. <laughs> um, I, I, I and I still do today. Like if I see somebody sad, if I see a sad child, if I'm in in a store or something, I see a little sad child. It br- it breaks my heart. It brings me right back to my childhood, and I want to say it's going to be okay. <laughs> um, but that's not necessarily the case for a lot of a lot of children. Do you think it made you empathic? I think I was born probably empathic. Um, one of the reasons I titled the book the sensitive one is that i was one of seven and when things were going crazy around the house meaning my father was either 
ranting and raving or, you know, waking us up at odd hours of the night. I really, I wanted to talk about that. When I would look at my siblings, they would just be looking into space and not think anything was the matter. And so I would ask my mother questions and the next day, like, what, what is going on? Why is this, what, what is this happening? What is going on here? And, and I was told then, oh, Susan, don't worry about it. You would just worry too much or, you know, you're, you're overly sensitive and, oh, don't feel like that. It's not that bad. And, and uh, so, I think I've, I think I found myself very early on feeling much different than my siblings, and you know, to the point where I had a doll as a child called Little Miss No Name, <laughs> and my children, my sisters mm-hmm. used to tease me and make fun of my doll. But obviously, looking back on it now, I can see the doll was a metaphor for my life at the time. <laughs> she was very sad, looking for love. Yeah, so. And in a crazy world, I mean, that's, yeah, you know, know, when you're in a dysfunctional family setting like that, it's, um, you're desperately trying to make sense out of a world that's, you know, nonsensical, you know, there's no, there's no stability or rhythm to, to, to that family life. You just have crazy things happening all the time. So it's like you're on this, um, you're on the sympathetic nervous system <laughs> uh, alert all the time. You're under huge stress because you never know what where things going to happen next, right? Sure, it's the um, it's the chronic stress that I think you know gets to to uh, gets to be the factor there. You know, in my dreams, a lot of my dreams, um, not a lot of them, but there was a lot of times it was just I would enter the enter the kitchen of my house and it would start all over again. And then I would wake up and realize I wasn't there. But And that's when I kept saying, why am I... It was like my body was... You know, my body and my mind were going back there. Um, and, and I fa- finally figured out, I fast forward a little bit, that until I healed all of that, the body, the mind, and the soul... Um, that I wasn't going to fully, you know, I wasn't going to feel fully whole and wasn't able to live my life. Um, after breast cancer, I wanted to get on with my life and, and I was having trouble doing so because of all of that. You know, I, I, I'm so, well, I'm so grateful that you've written your story. I'm so grateful that we're having this conversation today because, when I hear the experiences that you've had and from childhood and the words led you in your life to this point, it, it's like the um, on the soul's journey, you arrived at a place in your life at the age of 50 with this huge uh, wake-up call, in a sense, a crisis, but it was a wake-up call. It's like this part of you, your soul was saying, you cannot be all you can be while you're still carrying the baggage from the past. And the fact, which I find so fascinating, Susan, is that in this process that you were going through of healing from you know, this diagnosis and all that it involves, your psyche kept tugging at you to say, we have work to do for you to address so you can be free to be who you are. Yeah. 
and to heal. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so profound, isn't it? I mean, isn't that's that's a profound journey one is on. It, it's a very, journey you are on. Yes, I agree. It was very profound, and you know, I can look back on it now and say I'm, I'm grateful for that. I mean, I know, you know. There's a number of things I, you know, I, I, I feel different, you know, I do different now. I live um, truly in the moment um, and I didn't before, which I always thought I did. I'm like, oh, I'm very, I'm very awake, you know, I'm, I'm, I go for walks in nature and things like that and, you know, take care of myself. But I really didn't, I really didn't until, until all of this. And, you know, we can talk about the therapy I went into, which really, which helped a tremendous amount. And um, to get in touch with those feelings, because how do you get in touch with those, right? And how do you heal those? And you can't do that by yourself. I couldn't anyway. So so what, what was the path that unfolded for you on your healing journey? So... Um, I found my personality as a child, I mean, as an adult child of an alcoholic, you, you know, you're very good at repressing your, your, your feelings and your thoughts, obviously, for, you know, for obvious reasons to survive. And um, otherwise, you'd be overwhelmed, I think. And so I had, you know, when I was during nursing school, I had kind of like, I'm going to say my first spiritual awakening kind of and found myself having a tremendous amount of anxiety and I ended up finding a wonderful therapist who is still with me today. Um, even, you know, I don't live in the same state as her, but sometimes we connect. And she she walked me, you know, helped me through a couple years of just getting through the original trauma. You know, like even I was 30 and I thought, I thought my family was normal, you know. I didn't know that all of my issues were related to all of these childhood things. And so, you know, fast forward, I had, um, I have two children. I was divorced from my first husband. And um, I had two young children in uh, nursing school. They were four and six. I graduated from nursing school, met somebody, um, ended up marrying him, and we're still married today, 30 years later. And um, I don't think I could have attracted somebody like that if I did not um, heal some of these wounds. But realizing that they weren't um, they weren't gone away, they were just kind of hidden under the surface a little bit, kind of uh, with a bandaid over it, I guess you could say. But it did end up, I'm going to say, oozing again at some point. And I think it's just because the trauma of the the breast cancer. So so about a year or so after the diagnosis and after the treatment was over, I found going back to how you're good at repressing your, your thoughts and memories, I was very happy going through when I was going through breast cancer. I had I see pictures of me of myself smiling and and with you know with my wig on without my wig on and then looking back about a year after that I said what was I what was I smiling about well I just you know I repressed everything well it came flooding back and so I I went to my um 
oncologist. I got, I received, I got a new oncologist because I didn't like my other one because I went in one day and asked him uh, something. I asked him about my memory. It had gotten really bad to the point where I, you know, it was affecting my work a little bit when I had gone back to work and he said, Oh, it's just your age. And so I said, I'm not, I can't, I can't deal with this guy. So I found somebody new and I, and I liked her. And the minute I, the second visit with her, she looked at me, she said, are you, she said, are you depressed? And I said, uh, I think so. I mean, it's hard to see depression in yourself. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so she recommended somebody to me and I saw her for about, three months and that's when I continued I continued to be kind of writing at the time and journaling my thoughts and I would wake up and and write about my nightmares and um, kind of went along like that for quite some time but then it it never went away so about six months or maybe a year later I I hooked I called my old therapist which is the one I told you about um, in Massachusetts and she told she uh, she suggested that I find somebody that does EMDR, which is the eye movement desensitization. Um, if you can, mm-hmm. I'm sorry mm-hmm. if I said it wrong. But, and that's what we ended up doing. I ended up doing spending um, probably six months with a therapist who, you know, we delved back into memories and I felt all of those feelings I had as a child and I kind of walk, I'm going to say, I walked through the pain of that whole childhood relived everything and although how painful that may be it's it's i think it's um necessary to get to the other side and i did i got to the other side and kind of felt like i was i healed my inner child through all of that you know there was a lot of work but looking back on it it was uh I think it was necessary. Can you um, can you explain for for uh, the people listening who may not know what EMDA is? Can you give a little definition of that therapy? Well, it's it's called EMDR. Oh, EMDR. So, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. EMDR. What is it? Eye movement desensitization. I'm sorry. I can't even pronounce that. Um, I don't know what yeah, the R is for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's. Well, I I can explain it as. I, I do remember. My original therapist talked about it like. Twenty years ago or so, and but it wasn't popular then. You know, they started using it for. Vietnam veterans to try to tap into their, um, their closed memories or their post-traumatic stress and so I would just sit at a at a chair and there was like a there's something about a light that your light follows a bar that goes back and forth back and forth and at the same time you're using a hand clicker and you rotate your your fingers you rotate uh, trying to explain it from you click on something from your right to your left at the same time your eyes are following a a light and there's something about that right brain versus left brain um you bring the memories out of kind of your own your subconscious bring them to the surface and then um you realize that um you're not 
realize that that's not happening anymore, you're not there anymore, and kind of moves you moves you farther because the, the therapist would say to you, would ask you, what what are you thinking about now? And you don't realize it until you start clicking back and forth. It's something about the the movement of the left brain to the right brain. I know I'm not an expert in it, so I'm probably having a I'm probably explaining it wrong, but um, there's a lot of research out there on that. If you know anybody has questions about that, they can uh, research that. And I think the um, the you know the powerful thing about modalities like this one is that to truly uh, get to a place of of uh, resolution of the trauma so that you can rewire your brain in a new way, in a sense, because that's what you're mm-hmm. doing. It's like going, having um, new the possibility to activate new neural connections and um, it's like take the energy out of the old ones because that's how we determine our perception of reality, right? Um, requires mm-hmm. technologies and modalities that are not just about um, talking. It's not just, you can't, you can heal at that deep level with just talk therapy. Uh, you have right. to work with tools that can take you beyond that conscious, rational mind, which does such a good job at shutting things down, to get to the deeper level where we have hidden away the trauma and the and the, the programming that ultimately, it's like the operating system that's still running us. Exactly, because, you know, I I did, you know, I went through a lot of, I'm going to say talk therapy in my 30s, but it was something about this eye movement um, in the D-E-D-E-M-D-R, the R stands for reprocessing, right? So it does reprocess the, the thoughts in your mind. And I don't know how... Um, I don't know how anybody, when I'm thinking about this, anybody that's been through trauma um, can get rid of it with just talk therapy. I mean, it just doesn't happen. You know, let's say your mind, your body is connected to your mind, right? Your mind is connected to your, I guess you could say your soul. But it's all about the mental, the physical, and, you know, the emotional part. And I thought, oh, I healed that emotional part. I'm all, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good. But... Little did I know, your body keeps score of everything. The body is an amazing, uh, amazing, amazing thing. Um, so yeah, I think going through that was really the difference in my difference in my therapy that really made a difference. You know, I slowly saw myself kind of just getting better and better. And um yeah, I mean it takes it takes a little bit of um, consistency to go through it. You know, it's not everybody wants to go delve into their pain and relive it to get to the other side, but for me it was necessary. Just, yeah. Well, I I think I think I hope we, I explained that right. It, it is really a, yeah. 
I, I just want to say that um, you're doing a great job, <laughs> Susan. <laughs> I just want you to know. Uh, wonderful okay. having this conversation with you. Um, you know, to be honest, I think we all have to um, face the the pain or the traumas because we cannot because suppressing those 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 memories suppresses our life force. And Mm -hmm. we cannot fully experience the possibility of living a life in joy and and in love and in service if we are constantly suppressing our life force, which is what happens because we have made a decision to shut off from the pain and from that Mm -hmm. trauma. So it's a survival technique that our you know, your ego has used, but we pay a price, right? And then you, and then you get a a, a, a trauma, like a diagnosis. And the, and in my experience, um, so this is just from you know my point of view and from what I've been learning. Every every illness, every every illness has an emotional component to it. And the more chronic the illness, the deeper the wound, and the more the trauma that's been suppressed. That's driving the body to um, energetically shut down, you know, and each organ is giving you a message as well. It's like a clue, isn't it? Like the breast. What did you learn about why your Mm -hmm. physical, physical illness showed up in the breast as opposed to liver or pancreas or gallbladder, you know, or another organ? Yeah, um... I don't know. That's a good question, and I'm very grateful that um, I I did what I did. I um, I was working, and I was sitting in a meeting, and I just felt this weird tingling in my right breast, which was, if anybody has breastfed children before, it's kind of like a mini letdown reflex. And I thought, hmm, that's weird. I didn't know if it was hormones or what was going on. So it was a reminder that within in in a, in one month I was going to move this was the process of moving I was relocating I was moving to St. Louis Missouri from Connecticut the next month we were um, my husband took a position there and we were ready to start a new phase of our lives and blah 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 and I said oh I better get my mammogram it's due in June and it was June so I did and so I wasn't expecting it but lo and hold it was there it was very small it was um, 1.6 centimeters, and but it was so aggressive that um, because usually anything under two centimeters, uh, well back then it didn't require chemotherapy, but I had to, you know, I had to have chemotherapy and radiation because of the aggressiveness of it. So I thought, oh my God, if I had waited, it would have been much worse. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, you got it. So you got a message. But you got a message sitting in that meeting, right? I mean, there was a me- that, yeah. right? That mm-hmm. tingling was some, you know, which you probably hadn't experienced before. There was something that that was brought to your awareness in that meeting that led you to take the steps you did to get the mammogram and be, you know, find yes. find yes, the, exactly. find out what was going on and begin this journey. Which is yeah, your intuition, right? Very, Wouldn't you say it was your intuition? Yeah, it, it's it's totally my intuition. I had a and I have a very um, strong sense of uh, intuition, and I always have. And 
when I felt that, I thought, um, that's kind of weird, right? And um, and I, I didn't, you know, I really needed to listen to it because I just, uh, you know, my intuition said that's just weird. I gotta figure out. I gotta figure out what that was. But so, um, you know, if you know your body, that you know, it might have been like a little ache or pain somewhere. But you know, um, that was it. So um, I often wonder. You know, I think about that. I think about adverse childhood experiences. All of the you know, the leading causes of, you know, as you, it's always as you get older, right? And actually, getting breast cancer was one of the biggest fears I ever had, you know? Um, so I thought, well, I lived through my biggest fear. I can, can't handle anything now, but, but was that, was that, the was journey, that supposed to, but, but the journey yeah, but really I, happened to you after you went through all of that. I mean, you, you, yes. you're, yes. so we can talk yes. about this in more spiritual terms. So your soul was trying to go, uh, Susan, <laughs> we have some unfinished business here. Hello. You can't get through this lifetime so, until we complete it's this. It's <laughs> so true. It's so true. I would feel, I would feel a lot of times, you know, I, I would get these, I feel like I would get these messages and it feel like somebody was poking me on my shoulder going, hello, 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 you're not done yet. You know, it's like, you know, you can't, you can't hide from this. And so, um, yeah, but, um, but it took you, I mean, but, it's but true. What you, the nightmares were going, I mean, the nightmares were going on during, during your, you know, this process when you were under treatment, but the real, Mm-hmm. work that you did didn't happen until down the track from that, right? Yeah, it didn't happen for a, uh, probably a couple of years. You know, it was about a couple of years when I realized, like when I go through, when my personality as being an adult child is, you get through things very well. You know, I can handle, you know, you just get through it because you, you, you're just used to getting through it, right? And then you fall apart later. Right. And and that's exactly what happened on all levels. I felt uh, like I just fell apart. So it's like, you know, I didn't have a choice. I had to I had to figure out something, you know, because, how, you, you know, I don't think you can fully live life. I mean, looking back, I have a retrospective, you know, a perspective that's different now that you can't really fully live a happy life and everybody should deserve to live their happiest life, right? And you can't really fully appreciate or do that unless you heal all of those stuff. And I'm not saying I don't want people out there to think that every trauma that it's going to relate to, oh, my God, my childhood. And because not everybody has a childhood like mine. Right. But if you you do, no matter um, what trauma that that comes up, it, it never goes away. You have to heal. You have to deal with it. If you, you know, if you want to live a happy, uh, happy life and live your best self, I guess, if that makes sense. Totally. So what, so you're, you know, you did all this intense work. You had to go back and really address and understand the trauma, um, which, uh, you know, just releases when you do that, the gift is it releases so much 
life force to facilitate healing on all levels. Uh, so here you are down the track from this journey, this spiritual journey you've been on, Susan. How is life different for you now? Well, um, I'll tell you, after after a few years and after the therapy, I had a I had gotten a job during my during my um my treatment sessions. It was funny because I interviewed in a wig and nobody knew I had cancer and blah blah blah. I was afraid that if I interviewed like that that they would discriminate against me. But so I, I got a job as a, a director of a women's services, a small uh, one of the smaller hospitals in St. Louis, actually community hospital. And I realized that um, almost three years into the job, I said, I just don't like this. I, I don't have, I just didn't have any more energy in me. And I did not, I was having my first grandchild at the time. And I realized that I just didn't want to, I didn't want to waste my days anymore in a job that I, I didn't like. I didn't have passion anymore for it. And um, I ended up, you know, we discussed it with my husband and blah, 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 and I ended up quitting and never turned back. And and I do, I, right now, I do the things that I that I want to do. I, like, I don't need permission to say, well, I have to go to that shower, you know, I have a baby shower, they invited me. If, if I don't want to go, I don't go. I don't, I don't feel like I have to apologize to anybody for anything. And, um, I kind of listen to myself, which I didn't do before. And there are days that go by that if I don't go for a walk in nature or if I don't, you know, I'm a big believer in yoga and meditation, that if I don't continually do that, I lose track of myself. And so it's almost like, a, you know, you need to take a daily part of uh, a part of your day to just, you know, appreciate where you are, what you've been through and say to yourself, you deserve a happy life. And once you start saying that, you start believing it. Yeah, that's beautiful. So from what you're sharing, you're more authentic with yourself. You're able to be more authentic with your true needs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not hard for me to... Um, to speak my mind and to um, to disagree. And for me, what I found through all of this is, you know, the, the love is really the only thing that matters in life. I mean, when you start thinking about, when you're in a position where you start thinking about death or how is this going to end or you think, what would you miss in life? And it's really those experiences that you share with others that that love you and surround you when you surround yourself with people that, people that are good and happy and not negative and um you know throughout the writing of this book there's a few family members that don't speak to me but they're not on my level you know they they haven't walked through their pain of their childhood and so um you know I'm 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 kind of grateful for that not that you can say oh god I was grateful I had cancer but it did give me a number of gifts so for that I'm grateful you know and and as you're you know as we're having this conversation, it just brings up the 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 term you know the the hero's journey 
where you have to go into that dark night of the soul where you are really facing your fears, your, we would call them your traumas, you know, the abuse, the, the ways that we have disconnected from ourselves, um, and to, um, to address it, to, to make peace with it, to resolve it, to ultimately come out of that process with a much stronger sense of who we really are and leaving behind all of those experiences that shaped us you know, helped us to be who we are, but it's like we can shed them so we can be who we truly are and emerge back into the light in the place that you just described, you know, feeling so much more of a appreciation for life, not not driven by the shoulds, the have-tos, based on the programmings of the past, which is such freedom, right? It's freedom to be you. It's freedom, you know, and I think about um the the when I think about how I wrote my book and the the reasons you know what I'd learned through that process, and one of the biggest learning lesson was that I understood myself better, I understood why I made decisions I did as going through my life and why i I did this and why that led me to that and um you need a better understanding of yourself in general. Yeah. And I don't know so, if you, you can get that without, yeah, doing the work, you know? <laughs> you can't get there without doing the work. <laughs> Otherwise, you're living exactly. an extremely superficial life, right? Exactly. Um, so, and you do feel, so, you do feel so, like, you know, I felt, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say that um, you know you've um, you've gone through this journey, and the uh, result not only is this transformation of yourself, which is what you're really sharing with us, but then out of this came this this creative process, this book, which is this new book that you wrote called The Sensitive One, which is your memoir. And I, I was just um, curious to know, Susan. What what is it that you want people to receive from this book? What is the what do you believe is the purpose of this book and you know making its appearance into the world? What what do you want it to help people with? Well, um the first word that comes to my mind is resilience. You know, I've I I want to know I want others to know that there is there is a possibility to reclaim your life or possibilities of a reclaimed life you know that no matter what you've been through um i i have this last i think one of the sentences in my book that i i kind of made an analogy to was that we can all um like a lotus flower a lotus flower um uh, blossom or grows in the muddy waters, right? So we all have the ability, as a like a lotus flower, to to bloom out into beautiful uh, flowers from growing up in muddy waters. <laughs> so I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I feel like we all have the the ability to, you know, to change and 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 grow and redeem yourself um 
I guess I'm thinking of the words uh, hope, you know, courage to, to to learn more about yourself, how healing is possible, despite a life of maybe you know, despite a life of traumas. That and that could go physical or emotional traumas. And um, I also think that. Therapy, therapy, and a gritty determination to to overcome it all are pretty powerful tools. And, and you know, as and as a nurse, and as someone who's gone through uh, breast cancer diagnosis, and the awareness that you have, um, do you want to just share a little bit more about the connection of a diagnosis of some sort as a as a, um, you can call it as a message from your inner self or as a, uh, an indicator that more work needs to be done on an emotional level. What, 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 are, what are your words of wisdom to people who are listening, who are dealing with chronic health challenges? What would you offer that? Chronic health challenges. Well, and you know, I'm not going to say that each every chronic illness is related to something that happened to you in your childhood but um, I think that there's a reason for certain illnesses and you know as a nurse like when you asked me the question about why breast cancer and I thought about that a lot you know I've heard of you know you hear about uh, people that have this cancer is because they had this in their life and you know that may be going way too deep but I think um you know, to 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 look at the reasons why maybe we have chronic illnesses or why you know we're at a higher risk for that, and if you're if if you're aware of that, you can change that and change kind of like um, your future DNA. And it's almost you know, like for me, a big part of my life right now is um, to try to be stress free. Right, stress played a major part in my life, and I feel like a stress, stressful situation again, like the breast cancer, just boom, triggers something in my body. Which, if you're aware of that, you you can do something about it. So um, I'm not clear if I'm not if I I'm not sure if I gave you a clear message with that, but um, well, so, I think I know, think you know what you're sharing. What you're sharing and what you've learned is that there is a deep and profound interconnectedness between our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual selves. And mm-hmm. if we want to truly heal, and you know, truly heal, what does that term mean? It could not just get rid of a, a health problem, but as you were saying, to live, being free to live a life with joy, with without the stress, the burden of uh, having to, you know, operate with that fear response if you weren't pleasing or if you weren't in control, however that shows up, right? I mean, we want to be able to live with a sense of peace and well-being and gratitude and joy in our lives. And if um, we're dealing with a chronic health issue, we cannot truly heal if we ignore the emotional, mental, and spiritual dimension, because it's 
that's who we are. And you can't just deal with one part of yourself when it's out of balance and dysfunctional. I always like to think of it as a message that something needs to be addressed in your life. You can't just pretend everything is good and this thing just randomly happened and bad luck and then, you know, do your treatments and go back to doing everything you did before. You miss the opportunity of true healing. You know, you you actually just touched on something that reminded me of something when I was in nursing, my early nursing career. I um, took care of a lot of patients that had coronary bypasses, and a lot of them were men. And I always noticed that um, they would physically heal fine after a while, but then it was much later that we learned that, um, and they didn't recognize this at the time, that a lot of these people suffered from depression and other issues because you can't just take care of one part of the body, right? You can't just take care of that one part because it does, it's all interconnected. You know, the, the mind, the body, the soul, everything. And until, until I guess everybody recognizes that it's, you know, you're not, nobody can be fully whole if that doesn't happen. You're right. Yeah. And that's really that's really the opportunity that uh, we have when we're dealing with a crisis, a health crisis, any crisis, but certainly a health crisis brings that to the fore. It's like uh, it's time to well rethink everything in one's life and 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 address what needs to be resolved and made peace with. And we may not know what that is, but if we have a chronic condition showing up, it's sure a message that we need to start exploring to see what is buried underneath the surface. Yeah, and that's, you know, there's a lot of people that just won't get that, you know, but um, it is, a you know, it's a gift that if you do recognize that, um, that it will take you places that that you probably would never expected and to heal from. Yeah. Well, I think that's the inspiration of your book and your and sharing your journey. You know, the the gift of your healing journey is the light that goes out into the world and can touch other people and help them on their healing journey and give them inspiration and hope, which is obviously why you've, you know, been through this journey and you have come out the other end a different person with a message to share with people. So let's let's talk about your book for a minute. Um, again, the title is The Sensitive One, a memoir, and that's Susan Francis Morris's new book. If you'd like to learn more about Susan, then just go to her website, which is Susan Francis, and that's Francis with an E, by the way, uh, SusanFrancisMorris.com. Um, uh, Tell us more about are you, are you where's the book available or is there anything else that you are doing in um, relationship to the book? Is there more we need to know, Susan, other than people to pick up a copy and either you know have it as inspiration for yourself or pick up a copy and share it with someone who may be going through some challenges so they can be inspired. Um, we have um, many people who would benefit from from your story, Susan. Yeah, cancer survivors may find um, some solace in in it. And um, 
everything, if you get on my website, like you said, susanfrancismorris.com, there's a connection to all of um, my events that are coming up. Um, you can purchase the book on there. The book is on Amazon and a number of other sites. I'll be having um, the book officially comes out the 24th of August, and I'll be having a, um, a local t- bookstore in town is going to be a, doing a launch for me, so that's exciting. And um, you know, right now I'm actually enrolled in um, UCLA's uh, creative writing program. For me, I want to get better at and learn more about the writing craft of personal essays, and so. Um, through little personal essays, I'd like to share more of my story for, you know, for folks to heal and to, to you know, for me, I'd like to be inspiring and give people hope. And, um, I mean, we're all in this life together, right? I think that's what we're here to to do, <laughs> to kind of just share what we learn from our lives and to share it with others to help them along their path. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> well, you have an exciting time ahead of you, Susan, with um, the launch of your book and with all the things that will unfold as a result of that book. And it's, it's beautiful to hear of your journey and this this beautiful blossoming time of your life as you now, in, in a sense, um, benefiting the fruits of your labors, so to speak, right? You know, and you're getting to be on this path of sharing from your journey, the wisdom and the, um, the the love that you've uncovered and you're out there in the world making a difference. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to you, Susan, for the journey you've been on, Thanks. for the courage, and for um, creating this amazing new memoir called The Sensitive One and all the good things that will unfold for you when you're out there in the world sharing your light. So, again, thanks so much for being with us today on The Love Code. And uh, just to remind everyone, check out Susan's website, Susan Francis Morris, her name, .com. And also check out the book when it comes out. So, Susan, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom and inspiration with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed our talk. It's been a pleasure. And to all of you listening, thank you for joining in for another opportunity in these conversations to be inspired, uplifted, transformed, to help us to remember who we truly are, the source of love. So until next time, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. Bye for now.